Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Big Review Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? Well, just another nice Thursday, at least as we're recording. I presume Friday will be nice. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be. So again, not a lot of actual football going on. Some OTAs, the the past couple of practices for the Giants have not been open to the media, so... We haven't really seen a lot since we talked to you last. Uh, so I think what we're going to so what we're going to do today is kind of an extension of what we did last week at the end of the week when we took a look at some of the things the Giants could improve on on the offensive side of the ball from 2018 to 2019. We're going to do that on the defensive side of the ball today. And it's going to be a little different because on defense, because it's so reactive, there's not as many things you can control on the defensive side of the ball to be more efficient. I think by getting some better players in, which the Giants have done at some positions, it's not at some others, that will help. But we can just look at where the Giants kind of struggled a little bit and the ways they can control fixing that in 2019. And there were some places to fix. The Giants last year were only 24th in DVOA. They were 26th against the pass, 20th against the rush. So there are some places where they can certainly improve heading into this coming season. Oh, definitely. And that's pretty much what they have made their offseason about. They quadrupled down on cornerbacks in the draft, swapped out Landon Collins for Jabril Peppers, brought in Antoine Bethea, drafted a new edge rusher in O'Shane Zimenez, a new defensive lineman in Dexter Lawrence. I, at least with personnel, they there has been a ton of turnover. Yeah, that seemed to be from Dave Gettleman's postseason press conference. That appeared to be where the Giants were really going to focus because even like we said on the uh, the offensive show last week, there were pieces in place. There were things that showed the offense could potentially be good if they you know fix or change a few things. The defensive side of the ball was a totally different 
equation because and we said this a lot during this season when we were doing our our, our post-game podcast as as the reviews we talked about how many times the offense just was kind of lacking because of planning and good play calling but the defense was just a lack of good players and that's what really hamstrung them last year because you can only do so much when Curtis Riley is your deep safety and you can quibble with they are the people responsible for Curtis Riley being that deep safety last year. But that won't be the issue this year because we will talk about the, the personnel changes. But personnel was a big thing. They seem to have fixed some of that. They have made an effort in some places. So we will just get into where the issues the Giants had that they can possibly control now going into 2019. And the first thing I think we can talk about is the third down defense. So this is going to be an interesting thing because for a lot of things, this is offense and defense. When you're looking for one year to the next, third down is usually the least predictable from year to year. Typically on offense and defense, how you are on first and second down translates better to the next year than how you are on third down. For the Giants last year, they were pretty decent on first and second down, but they were one of the league's worst third down defenses. And I think it's the way they were a bad third down defense last year, which kind of concerns me a little bit, but also shows a path forward for improvement. So per football outsiders who track where throws on third downs are in relation to the first down marker. And they call that stat Alex, which is air yards less of the sticks. It's kind of a a nod to Alex Smith, one of the most conservative passers in the NFL. Um, So uh, per that stat, the Giants on defense last year saw 50% of throws against them behind the first down marker. That was the second highest rate in the league. And usually we've seen uh, football outsiders also put out a study that shows that just throwing past the sticks on the third down is good. You get better, more consistent results when you do that than when you don't. We've talked about that during the Giants offense, talking about that very often. So the Giants face half of their throws, 50% of throws they faced on third down were behind the sticks. But they were 28th in DVOA on third down and 22nd in conversion rate allowed on third downs. So teams were just dumping the ball off, throwing short of the sticks on third down, but the Giants were still allowing conversions at a super high rate. That should not have been the case for how often the ball was getting thrown behind the first down line. Yeah, and that just speaks to poor tackling or players being just very out of position. Two things we did comment on during the season, especially early in the season, we noticed a lot of Alec Ogletree staking out his zone and defending that grass to the last, but not being so great at picking up the players running through it. Uh, Curtis Riley also did that, but he also had a lot of other issues like um, recognition, taking efficient angles, and also tackling. With Ogletree, that did improve over the course of the season, especially as the Giants played some backup quarterbacks who did a very good job of leading him to the play with their eyes. But even independently of that, after the bye week, he did seem more comfortable and that did improve. But just having a rate of giving up dump-offs and allowing them to be converted like that, 
not great. Yeah, and that's one of the things. That's it's another part of this is the Giants were 30th in DVOA on passes to the short middle of the field. That's where you would expect your middle linebacker to be in position to make plays. That is the middle linebacker's responsibility or the inside linebacker if you're playing a 3-4, but because of nickel and what actual base is, no one's actually, you know, 3-4 or 4-3. That doesn't matter. Alec Ogletree was mostly responsible for a lot of those passes, and it was either he was getting beating coverage, like we said, through the zone where he wasn't really reactive as quickly as he should be. He was one of the players with the highest rate of broken tackles last year and that's been an issue for him throughout his career Uh, so so that's a place where the Giants had a clear weakness they can maybe do something for it but you know Ogletree is probably when he's on the field is probably still going to play 99% of the defensive snaps that he did I think you uh, could possibly you know look around it I think because on the Rams in 2017 the Rams were fairly good at defending the short middle they were worse in short middle than they were in short to the left and right so Ogletree was still kind of the weak link there they just kind of had a better defense around him so I think if you get you know some help from some of the other linebackers maybe if you have Jabril Peppers playing in the box more depending on how the Giants are going to structure their defense in that way but I think that that short area of the field is really somewhere where they're going to have to make an effort to improve and whether that's just hoping Ogletree improves or really being proactive in giving some help in that area of the field that's something I think they they really need to take stock of heading into the season oh Definitely, and the Giants want to have him be their every-down Mike linebacker, just for ease of nomenclature. They might want to look at having B.J. Goodson take more reps in passing situations, because not only is he generally good coming downhill, yeah, he's very good at stacking and shedding offensive linemen in the run game. He's a thumper. But he also had the, and this is per pro football focus, Goodson actually had the fifth lowest completion percentage against of any defender in the NFC East last year. Now, granted, he wasn't on the field all that often in passing situations, so that's going to help him. But it's at least something to take a look at, at least before the games start to count. Yeah, absolutely. And we got, you know, Ryan Conley there. There's not a lot the Giants did at linebacker. So we'll see how that gets fixed, if at all. And some of this might just kind of naturally be fixed. Like we said, the Giants were a little better on first and second down than they were on third down. That should project better. So they're likely to be better on third down because of how they were on first and second down last year. That's just how those downs translate from year to year. So one of the other things that the Giants did make an effort to improve and one of their biggest weaknesses last year was deep passes. They were just bad defending passes deep. Uh, They were 24th in DVOA and in DVOA for those who should know if you've listened to this podcast long enough, it's just uh, football outsiders just down to down efficiency the metric so they were 24th in DVOA on deep passes and a lot of that was due to Curtis Riley being the deep 
safety most of the time, playing single high, being the guy responsible for defending the deep passes from sideline to sideline. And that was just as we saw a job he was not very capable of. The Giants did go out and make an effort to improve at safety. They got Antoine Bethea, which some people are not high on that signing for his age, but I like Antoine Bethea a lot. He was probably my favorite signing they had this offseason. I think he has the ability to still play that deep the safety position. Hey, does have the sideline to sideline range. I think he has good instincts to break on the ball. And then when you you know add Michael Thomas, Jabril Peppers kind of has that ability a little bit. In 2017, he had that weird safety position where he plays 95 yards off the ball because that's where <laughs> Greg Williams put him. So that's really his main experience playing a deep safety but I think if if you're looking to see what the Giants are going to do based on what they did last year I think if you have Bethay deep you have Peppers in the box more I think Bethay can still handle that deep safety position and I think that should be a significant improvement over what the Giants did last year which was one of the worst defenses in the league in allowing deep passes they were one of the worst defenses in the league in allowing big plays they were 28th in big play rate and that's per Bill Conley of SB Nation so I think that is one place where they really struggled last year and they made an effort to improve this year and that should probably be the biggest improvement they have on defense I think yeah, definitely. It's something I think both of us have said a number of times, and that is the importance of a free safety, especially in a defense like the Giants run. We know they're going to want to blitz. They blitzed a lot last year. They're going to want to blitz this year. And a lot of their moves just point directly to a blitz-heavy defense, especially going so heavy on the secondary, getting so many new corners, and also, basically just making a lateral move at pass rusher. I Yes, they added Marcus Golden and O'Shane Zimenez, but one's a rookie and the other still needs to prove that he's an elite pass rusher after his ACL. So they're probably going to be leaning on scheming up pressure. And in a lot of these pressure packages, the free safety is kind of the linchpin, just because he is the guy who communicates in the secondary he is the one who basically gives help where it needs to be to make sure the quarterback can't throw over the blitz's head or over the head of the blitzers. Yeah, and that was one of the problems the Giants had the last year, especially and really any time they made Curtis Riley move. So when you look at what the Giants were in the deep middle of the field, they were actually pretty good. But because the Giants so often played a single high safety, which means Riley was usually just standing back in the middle of the field because of his positioning, the Giants were pretty good there. But anytime you made him move to his right or left to get a deep ball, then that's where the Giants really struggled. And that's where they were some of the worst in the league on two deep passes on each side of the field. So, but I think because Bethay has that range, I think because there might be a little better coverage that could help just get the pass rush there a little more. The quarterbacks shouldn't have as clean of a pocket to make those throws. So I think all of those things together should improve where these deep passes come from. And a lot of them, you know, turned into big plays. And that's where the Giants really got themselves into trouble last year. Definitely. And another thing I 
I'm kind of hoping to see, or at least definitely want to look for once training camp in the preseason gets here is what the Giants do with Julian Love and Corey Ballantyne. They've already mentioned a possible cross-training, if not straight-up conversion, to safety for Love, which I think that that could be potentially awesome if he has that the versatility to be maybe a nickel safety or... I should say a nickel corner, dime safety, that sort of thing. He was so so good at corner in college. I'm not sure I like the idea of moving him to safety full time. But that being said, with Ballantyne, with his size and athleticism, and at least from what I have been able to find on tape of him, which it's tough. (laughs) For some reason, there wasn't a whole lot of Washburn football on ESPN. But he has the size, the range, and the physicality that maybe a conversion to safety is in the future for him. And I've brought the name up before, maybe like Bennett Jackson, who the Giants drafted out of Notre Dame a few years ago, who actually looked quite good at free safety alongside Landon Collins before injuries basically ended his his career with the Giants. Yeah, I would love to see some more of five and six defensive back looks from the Giants. If you could get, you know, possibly Jenkins, Beal, Baker, and Love on the field at the same time with maybe like Peppers playing pseudo like linebacker, the money backer position, then you have Bethay deep. You can have Ogletree and Golden as as the linebacker as the other linebackers. You, you could have, you know, three down linemen, or you take one of those linemen out and you add one of the other the pass rushers. You can have you know, Carter and uh, and Golden as as the edge rushers and Ogletree and Peppers as the linebackers and then six defensive backs. You know, and when you have the skill set of, of some of these guys, and like you said with Love, we've kind of been trying to figure out what his role was going to be. Both of us liked him as a corner. The Giants kind of said they wanted to use him in the nickel a little bit, um, which he did on about a quarter of his snaps in college. And then they've also said they want to use him as a safety. I'd, I'd be you know okay with a three safety look with him there. Like you said, we don't want to see that full time. But I think when you can kind of mix and match with this personnel, and that might be one of the bright spots that this Giants defense has with with no one that's really you know outstanding that has to be on the field in a certain position. When you can kind of mix and match what they're going to do, that could be to their benefit. Where you just have this defensive personnel that James Betcher can just kind of throw anyone in any spot and how effective that's going to be is still uh, unknown of the quality of these guys, especially when we talk about the secondary of how young basically everyone is except for Janoris Jenkins. And Bethea. And, and Bethea, yeah. I was, I was mostly thinking of the corners, I guess, uh, for <laughs> that point. But yeah, Bethea too. But if you're just looking at the corners, Grant Haley is like the second most experienced guy, and he was an undrafted rookie last year. So it's going to be a lot to ask of these secondary guys, but uh, the way you can mix and match them, I think could be good potential for whatever this defense is going to look like. Definitely. And speaking of sub-packages, I did a piece earlier this week looking at one of James Betcher's blitz calls. And to me, the most striking thing of it was there were no defensive linemen on the field. There was 
one player with his hand in the dirt. That was Lorenzo Carter lining up at nose tackle. The only other linebackers on the field, it, it was a dime defense. The only other linebackers were, I believe, Alec Ogletree and Olivier Vernon. Everyone else on the field was either a corner or a safety. So we know he has a willingness to call these sorts of personnel packages. So I have a feeling we'll probably see more of that considering the investment in the secondary. Yeah, man, let's let's get weird. Uh, I think that's an extension of something Mark Schofield wrote this week for uh, Pat's Pulpit, the SB Nation uh, New England (laughs) Patriots uh, site, is a look at some of the things Bill Belichick has done, taken from the college level, to defend against spread concepts now. And that's like uh, three men lines uh, uh, disguising which defensive linemen are coming uh, it's a great piece uh go read that it's just kind of going to be the future of defensive football i think that's something james betcher has the ability to do did not have the ability last year with the personnel given uh, we'll see if the personnel this year is going to give him the ability to do that but i think there is the potential to to mix and match more as we figure out what these roles are going to be Uh, and i think that's going to lead us into the next thing which is going to be another topic we've discussed a couple times and we're going to come at it in a little different way now and that's you know converting the pressure you're getting into sacks because as much as we talk about how good pressure is and i've said that many times on this podcast you do want to to get these sacks but uh, when you look at you know what does translate from year to year like i said with you know first and second down you're more likely to improve on third down if you were bad there but good on first and second down for sacks if you are good at generating pressure you're more likely to get sacks the following season because pressure rate from year to year is more stable than than Sacred is. So I did a quick look at this. All teams from 2015 to 2018. Sack percentage from one year to the next year had a correlation of just 0.18. So that is fairly low. The closer you are to one, the higher it is correlated. A pressure rate from year to year was 0.48. So that's substantially higher. A pressure rate to sack rate the next year was 0.35. So as you see, a pressure rate is better predictor of pressure rate the next year and it's a better predictor of sack rate the following season than just looking at a previous season sack rate so those are just some quick numbers to show that pressure does matter and does usually mean more sacks are going to come and that's important for the Giants defense because they were good at creating pressure last year the best person at creating pressure is no longer on the team but I think some of the schemes, some of the the blitz packages, like you talked about, are going to continue. So I think they have, they should have the ability to create some of this pressure. And even if the pressure goes down a little bit, just from regression, the sack rate is probably likely to go up. So that could also help out this defense. They're definitely going to have to figure out how to replace Olivier Vernon's production. He was responsible for a quarter of their pressures. And that's just since he came back. Overall, even counting the weeks he was injured, he was responsible for almost a fifth of their pressures. That is a lot to make up. They'll definitely, as said a couple times already this show, try to use their scheme, use sub-packages, generate pressure from just unexpected places, create confusion along the offensive line, and 
like you said, get weird with it. But they'll also be counting on hopefully some more consistent interior rush from BJ Hill, hopefully a big push from Lawrence, and again, Golden returning to form. So hopefully they'll have that, at least that base of pressure there, and then they can work on turning that pressure into sacks. Yeah, and how they create pressure, I think, is going to be the the, the bigger the question because I think it is going to have to be schemed a little more just because of their personnel. You are hoping, you know, Marcus Golden does return to his twelve and a half sack form uh, but even in that 2016 season uh, when he did have the 12 and a half sacks he had uh, 22 quarterback hits so that is a 57 percent conversion rate uh, which uh, I've done some work on and usually the the average is about you know 43 percent of quarterback hits turns into sacks so he was a little bit of an overachiever there so you would expect that to regress a little bit so I don't think he was a like a true talent level 12 and a half sack guy so I think that might be a bit of a concern I think you look at like Lorenzo Alexander in that season also had 12 and a half sacks on 22 quarterback hits and then the following season Alexander had 15 quarterback hits and just three sacks so you kind of see how that goes in the back and forth there and that's usually something that regresses to the mean a little bit there are some players who are historically just better at converting sacks than than other players are, but so we'll kind of wonder what Golden's true talent level is there. But like we said, they, they're going to have to create some of that pressure, I think, with the coverage in theory. And uh, apologies if there is some background noise, it just started pouring as we are recording this. So uh, with that coverage, in theory, getting those guys, and I like a lot of those guys in a vacuum, uh, like we've said and we discussed at, like, when they were drafted, especially that group, but whether that comes together as a, a good, solid group that comes together and plays well in their first year is going to be a question mark is going to affect the pass rush just as much. So uh, I think there's still a lot of questions, but I think we can see where the Giants did struggle, where they kind of did look to get a little better, or where just numbers suggest that regression is going to make them look a little better, even if they play better or not. And I think there's some areas where you know this defense maybe can improve a little bit, maybe by the sake of of numbers and how bad they were in some a very high variance parts of the field last year they could get better even though you know two of their best players on defense are no longer on the defense it, whether that's enough to make them an average defense a slightly below average defense i think that's going to be the question or whether them playing better and and the difference in talent is going to keep them in in the same place. Uh, th- th- I think that's a possibility too, but I don't think they'll be as bad at some of the places they were bad last year. Yeah, and yeah, that's basically it. If you can keep doing the things you did well, because the Giants did do some some things well on defense last year. You mentioned how bad they were in the middle of the field, but at least on short passes, Janoris Jenkins was good. According to, you know, he was bad, he had a bad year overall. But at least according to Football Outsiders, the Giants ranked third in the league in 
short passes to the offensive left, which is where Jenkins played. So hopefully he can at least be good in that area and with improved play from you know, like Bethay and in the deep middle portion of the field or improved play from whoever the slot corner is going to be. He Jenkins, he Jenkins, that is, can improve on his play down the field as well, which would be an incredible boost to the defense. Yeah, there's a lot of things, and and why we kind of are talking in generalities with the defense instead of the offense is because just a lot of things from defense are just a very unstable from year to year. So there's a lot of unknown of what the defense can be. Looking at a good defense or a bad defense does not likely mean there's going to be a good defense or a bad defense the following season like it does on offense where we can look at what the Giants did not do well and what they can do better. Uh, So this, we can just kind of look at what they didn't do well, what signs can point to how they maybe can improve there. So that's why these conversations are just uh, a little bit different. So I think for that, we're going to end this episode here. Thank you for all of you guys who did give us good ratings after last week's episode. Appreciate that. If you could continue hitting those those five-star reviews, uh, that would be awesome. That really helps us out, especially through this stretch of the off-season where we're still trying to give out some decent content, I hope. Uh, and I hope you feel the same way also. So you can find our work on BigReview.com. You can follow Big Review on Twitter at Big blue view you follow big blue view on instagram at big underscore blue underscore view you can follow me on twitter at dan pizzuta you follow chris on twitter at raptor mkii thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon